0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to So What Exactly Do You Do? Uh, this is the first podcast in the series. And I am happy to welcome a very close friend of mine, Vede Tembikar. Uh, she runs a company called Busyboda. Boda. Uh, she recently won the Babson Entrepreneurship Challenge, which came with the $20,000 prize. Congratulations on that. And she also won the Female Founders Award. Um, Hi, Vede, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Deepak. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Um, so again, congratulations on winning the challenge and the prize. Uh, could you tell us, so what exactly do you do?
1: Yes. So let me get right to it. Um, so I am the co-founder of a company called Busy Butter with my brother and it is a motorcycle taxi hailing application. So it's like an Uber, but for motorcycles. And we operate in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya. And um, yeah, we do both passenger and delivery services. Currently, we have about 400 riders on our platform. And the main idea is to kind of increase the riders' daily income from $10 a day to $15 a day because these riders live below the poverty line. And we really, try to, we really want to try and create an impact in their lives by making them micro-entrepreneurs.
0: So what exactly what led you to this idea? How did you spot an opportunity?
1: so we actually spotted the opportunity when we were in India so we were in India and we were just like road tripping from one from Pune to Mumbai or something and we obviously we saw loads of motorcycles and my brother was like there's so many motorcycles in Kenya now as well how can we you know leverage that and like do something about it because the number of traffic like the amount of traffic is increasing as well and we're like well he's like what if we do like an uber but for motorcycles right and at that time this was years ago so at that time no one had done it in Kenya before so it was like a very novel idea so um, and my dad being an entrepreneur like hopped on the idea and he's like yes this would be amazing like go for it and that kind of thing so we got started and like um, well we didn't get started but like that was like the starting point And um, we were doing some research, then we went back to Kenya to really see whether there was an opportunity. And then that's when we realized, like, the number of motorcycles on the road were increasing significantly daily, and the traffic was increasing as well. But you'd find that a lot of riders, when we spoke to them, just weren't doing enough rides so like they would just be sitting idle on the side of the road and waiting for customers to approach them but they just didn't have business right and this is an easy job to get into but it doesn't make sense if you can't make money and um that's when we got even more and more passionate about it because we're like it doesn't make sense that the number of them are increasing but they're not even making five or six dollars a day so how can we now make them increase their income and um, so that, that's when we got like super passionate about the idea. Both me and my brother were in university at that time. So I was in my final year of chemical engineering in the UK. And my brother was in his first year of electrical engineering in the UK. But he, um, he kind of um, took the lead and then got in touch with some developers and he was working on it side by side whilst he was studying. And um, you know got the first version of the app developed and that's how we kind of started our journey.
0: So um what about the infrastructure problems in Africa for example in in Kenya did you have the app developed locally or did you outsource it to China or India or the Philippines
1: So initially uh we outsourced it to developers in India just because in Kenya it's quite expensive to find the right you know um expertise firstly experienced people and if you get the really experienced people it's it turns out to be quite expensive especially as a startup Um, that was bootstrapped. So we were like, you know what, let's just um outsource it and look for developers around the world like China or India that'll be with a lot more experience. So that's when we reached out to developers in India because um it was it was an easy cost to cover at that point. And we reached out to our first set of developers and um you know they gave us a three month timeline to give us the first um, version of the app so they gave it to us it wasn't working um yeah it just wasn't functional then we gave we gave them our feedback we were like you know xyz is not working please can you you um um, iterate the version and send it back to us and then again they started taking super long and everything and um, then they just started becoming unresponsive so that project kind of just uh, died down because um, especially because my brother started working on on it when he was in the UK these developers were in India so there was a massive communication gap as well and we picked the wrong developers basically we didn't do enough research so we lost a lot of money the project timeline delayed as well so um, we thought it would make sense to go back and start this when i graduated so i could actually like be there and interact with multiple people before making another decision so then where someone is able to give it a hundred percent right so then i went back then we went on holiday to in well we didn't we were on holiday in india and then that's when i set up meetings with another like 20 developers in india and this is how we picked our next set of developers so um that's a company called mobisoft it's in pune And what they do is they have a base taxi solution, a base taxi application solution that they kind of give as a license out to anyone around the world. So they had given this app solution, um, app to like 50 different companies all over the world. And then they customize it according to your needs. So that was a lot more of a feasible option for us at that point. So we started engaging with them.
0: That's pretty interesting to have this insight into how um, you sourced the developer for your app. Mm-hmm. Um, so one question that I was wondering about is the initial investment. Because a, a lot a lot of companies take, at a minimum, two years to break even and start turning a profit. Um, so a lot of people say that the initial investment that you put into a company is something that you have to be prepared to lose. But at the same time, if you go with that attitude, you might not be aggressive enough or you might not work hard. On the other hand, um, if you do get very, very... Uh, emotionally tied into the business and you try to get the money back you you get emotional and you don't really think very rationally and what approach do you think is better like should there be a balance or should it be like an all or nothing approach
1: I think To start off with, there should be an all or nothing approach, right? You should go in thinking you want to recover that money because otherwise it just doesn't make sense to get into a startup with a weak attitude of, oh, I don't think I'm going to break even anytime soon. So um, what we did, we knew this is our initial investment. This is how much we're going to be spending every month. How many rides do we have to do to kind of recover that? And like we always made sure we had our calculations in mind just so we're working towards that. You Realistically, you might not be able to achieve your goal as soon as you think you do. You, I mean, as soon as you think you will be able to, but at least you have a certain goal in mind. So I think it's good to just go all in and be like, look, I want to try and recover this money because that's what kind of pushes you to keep um, you know increasing your sales every single month and like keep on target
0: and what was this, was there any initial roadblock that you had to overcome was there any resistance from the the riders to commit to your company because your new company why, why would they come to you what, what did you do to incentivize the riders and the customer to sign up
1: right So, um, initially one of the major challenges that we faced, I think is very similar to a challenge that any platform faces, right? So, um, it was the chicken and the egg situation. So trying to find the right balance between the riders and the customers, according to us, we thought it would be harder to get the riders on board versus the customers. So, um, so we started working very heavily on getting enough riders on board. So we started with about 200 riders on our platform, which was kind of, it exceeded our initial target as well. And um, we were really happy with this result. We're like, okay, 200 riders, everything we started, we began our pilot, we marketed the product. And um, each rider would only do like one extra or two extra rides a day right Um, initially and some some would not even do any so depending on the area that they were in so um, that happened and then a lot of riders within two days these riders are very fickle-minded so they immediately if they don't start seeing a result they'll kind of just leave so um, in like two to three days a lot of riders just stopped using our app immediately they stopped using our app And we were wondering what the issue was because we're like, why does it matter? You know, it's additional business for them. Why can't they just stay online? But something you don't realize unless you actually speak to the riders directly is that it's very expensive for them. Like they can't sit online and wait for a customer to approach them and use their data bundles and um, have their battery die and get no extra rides or just one extra ride a day. It just wasn't feasible enough for them. So what happened was, um, as we kind of then f- f- um, spend a lot more time marketing to customers to kind of increase the number of rides, when we eventually had enough demand from the customers, again, we didn't have riders online. So it was again, the same same situation. So we're like, what can we do to overcome this? So that's when we kind of um, partnered with uh, one of the largest mobile service providers in Kenya called Safaricom, and what we did is we sponsored data for these riders. So what happens is whatever data they use, mobile internet data they use to use the BusyBorder app is sponsored by us, so we pay for it. So once... um,
0: You subsidize it, basically. We subsidize it, basically,
1: and um, no other users, just for the BusyBorder app. So that just meant that the rider had nothing to lose, right? So like he he uses the app, he goes online. If he gets a ride, great, it's a win for him. If he doesn't, he's still not paying anything for the internet usage, we are. And that made a massive difference. So as soon as we did that, we did that with like a group of just 20, 25 riders to start with. And um, it made a huge difference. And then they were all out of the 20. We had like um, 18 or 17 online every single day. So we realized, okay, this was working. And then even we got feedback from customers saying, okay, now we're seeing a lot more riders online. So it picked up and we were able to kind of maintain that balance, which we really struggled with. For four or five months, we were really struggling with, you know, what to focus on, how to find the right balance, how to scale the business. So that, that worked for us
0: um were there any initial apprehensions by the customers in terms of if, if they're sending a parcel or a package through your delivery service uh were there any apprehensions on either the cost or the safety what would happen in case the parcel is damaged or lost who would assume liability um and thirdly maybe the speed or you know the rider is qualified if he's if he's a safe rider
1: Right. Yes, um, definitely. I think this is also one of the main reasons, you know, you would find that there was a lot of riders on the road, but customers would not use them because customers did not trust riders to get them from one point to the other safely. So um, safety is a big problem there. Why? Because, again, um, getting a motorcycle for a rider can be quite easy because it's just like one of their relatives has a motorcycle lying around the whatever just lying around unused so they know okay this guy doesn't have a job i'll i'll give you my motorcycle start doing something and earn money so you find that a lot of riders do not have a valid driving license Mm -hmm. they're taught they're taught very informally by their uncles or whatever so safety is a key issue so how we work around this is um we ensure each of our riders is trained formally at a reputed um School. we ensure each of the riders has insurance which is mandatory by law as well but you'll find that a lot of riders can't afford it so they don't have insurance so we make sure the riders have insurance. Does
0: that cover the, the package as well for the parcel? Yes. Okay. So
1: we have a separate insurance that we, as a company, are engaged in. It's called the goods in transit insurance. Okay. So that covers all packages in transit. So if they're lost or damaged, it's capped at a certain amount, but it covers quite a significant amount. So this is for all the packages. The riders have to have their own insurance. So comprehensive, which covers um, their motorbike third party so in case they um you know run into another car or another person then those damages are covered then um in terms of the insurance that we provide our riders we provide them with personal accident cover and hospitalization cash as well so and then what we do is we provide them this in a pay-as-you-go model so what they do is they pay us a deposit then they get an insurance sticker for two months and then once they um pay for the rest of the year within the two months we renew their sticker for the whole year so this kind of gets rid of the problem of i don't have a high disposable income and i can't pay for the insurance in one go
0: and if you could just briefly touch upon what competitive advantage that you have today um what 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 would stop a competitor from stealing market share do you have something that cannot be replicated in, in terms of maybe relationship with the customer or a very unique business model
1: Yes. Um, So I think one of the main things that we pride ourselves on is like the good customer service that we provide. And we've been able to do this compared to any of the other competitors. We've been able to do this really well because, again, our sole mission is to help the riders come out of poverty and help them increase their income. So to do that, we provide all our riders with a lot of value added services. So like I said, the pay as you go insurance. With uh, one of um, Kenya's leading insurance provider that no other company has been able to do, um, we do that. We microfinance the rider in case they want to invest in additional motorcycles. Um, we in or you know in case of emergency situations as well. So and we have a really good like personal relationship with each of the riders. So like our team members really really care about the riders and they knew they know that Busy Border will help them in case something happens. Whereas no other companies take that responsibility sometimes. So this is why we've been able to get a huge, um, like huge brand loyalty from the riders. And that in turn translates to good customer service with the end user. So that helps us stand out. And then again, um, most of our customers, a lot of our revenue comes from corporate clients. So we have a lot of corporate customers. And um, how we have them on board now is because we've signed the three-year contracts with them. So um, that helps us kind of keep a constant cash flow flow. For the next three years, um, as we build on our corporate portfolio,
0: that's good to hear. It's it's always good to have a, a contract with uh, with these clients for the cash flow. Um, so your company is very asset light. Uh, you don't have to invest in motorcycles. You don't have to do training yourself. Uh, what would your biggest expenditure be today, if you had to say?
1: I think today the biggest expenditure that we have is um, salaries of our staff mm-hmm. and employees. I'm um, sorry, <laughs> salaries and marketing. Yeah. So marketing is a really, really big expense, especially because we are competing with companies like Uber and Taxify who, have, um, who are big companies. Taxify is an Estonian company as well. And they have a huge marketing budget um, and a lot of, um, you know, f- fan following basically, because there's uh they um again they have cabs as well, so it's like they don't have to have um customers download an additional app to use the or the motorcycle service, whereas with us it's like a completely new app that people have to download. Mm-hmm. we don't have strong brand visibility, so that's why we need to invest heavily in marketing as well
0: um and one one thing I wanted to ask you was um as an entrepreneur, one thing that we see. And we learn here in, in, in at Babson is uh, spotting opportunities. Um, and even after looking at an opportunity, we might find a lot of reasons to do it, but there might be one reason not to. Yeah. And a lot of time that one reason overrides everything else. What would you say to anyone listening to this podcast about how to overcome that fear? Because it's always the first step that's the hardest. And uh, is there anything you could share on overcoming that fear?
1: I think the most important thing is to just go for it without making your product or idea perfect. Like um, a lot of us, what we struggle with in the initial phase is how to make your idea perfect or how to make what you're going to put out there perfect. And then you start hitting a lot of roadblocks and you realize that, okay, maybe it's just not worth going for it. So whatever stage you're at, Uh, just get started move along and then you'll keep finding solutions to things as you get started and put your product out there in the market and you realize as an entrepreneur you'll realize that you have a path that you want to follow but once you start your business you never follow that path because so many things change on the way you realize like what your customer actually wants is really not what you have out there and you have to keep like iterating what you have so um yeah don't spend too much time initially trying to be perfect just go out there start and then you can keep changing as you go along i think um that's what i did and i think it's working yes yeah, it why so, like <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, thank you so much for coming on to this uh, podcast and i wish you and your company the best of luck thank you and very hope, much hopefully we sh- we'll have you back on this podcast i soon. hope
1: so too right, thank, thank you, thank you. <laughs>